Hey, let's pray tonight. Say this after me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into death. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. And right now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. God's holy church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. And the resurrection of the body. Amen. And the life everlasting. Amen. Sorry, I opened, my, I opened my notes too quick. Numbers chapter 25. Got, uh, I just want to go ahead and tell you this is, this is an insane story. Like, this is an insane story. Um, I don't want to make any qualms about tonight. You have, uh, I, if, if, if you've been here for the last two weeks, we're in the middle of what, what I like to call Love Month. And I've basically just been telling you each week that um, what's most important for us is that we're preparing, that we understand that this season of our life is preparation. It's preparation for us to become the young men and the young women that God has called us to be. And when we get those things in order, then what happens is, is God sends someone our way. Until we get those things in order, it's a crapshoot. For those of you that don't uh, gamble, which is hopefully everyone in the room, that just means that it's a, it's, it's a dice roll. Maybe it'll land on what you want it to and maybe it won't. But if you prepare if you become the man or the woman of God that God desires you to be, you will attract the man or the woman that you dream of. And so that is what's, that's what we've been talking about tonight. I just want to talk a little bit about purity. I'm going to talk about what purity means. And so this is an insane story. I'm going to read it to you. Some of you are going to be like, this is crazy. We're going here, but it's in the Bible. And uh, here we go. Numbers 25, while Israel was staying in Shittim, the men, do y'all notice how I changed the pronunciation so that you would, so that you, so no one would get lost on that? Now that I've drawn attention to it, here we are. The men began to indulge in sexual immorality with the Moabite women who invited them to the sacrifices to their gods. The people, the Israelites, ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these gods. Israel yoked themselves to Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. The Lord said to Moses, take all of the leaders of these people, kill them and expose them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel's judges, each of you must put to death those of your people who have yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor, then an Israelite man. So let me just give you, a, let me give you what's going on here. This is an unbelievably graphic encounter of, of, um, of the nation of Israel, and they begin to uh, yoke themselves together. All that means is they begin to have relationships with those from another community that were evil. They were absolutely evil. We're going to talk about this in just a second. But the part that I want you to hear is this tonight. I want you to hear about God's passion for purity because I want to talk about a passion for purity tonight. Here we go. 
Then an Israelite man, right in the middle of Moses gathering everybody together. Then an Israelite man brought into the camp a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was basically the church. He brings, he just, just stumbles out with a female, stumbles out with a woman. Everybody's on their hands and their knees, and they're crying, going, God, please have mercy on us. And this guy just just comes running out like he's having the best time of his life. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear into both of them, right through the Israelite man and into the woman's stomach. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. I'm, I'm not going to retell the story much at all because it's there pretty much. But what happens is, is the nation of Israel is being insane and they have, they have begun to worship another god. And in the process of worshiping another god, they have begun to... Um, They've begun to participate in acts of sexual immorality with this other group, this other nation. And, and Moses hears from God that this is evil in the sight of the Lord. And he tells him, you've got to stop. You've got to stop right now. And, and, and the leaders of the nation begin to cry. And they're saying, God, have mercy on us. We didn't, we, we didn't know what we were doing. And while they're doing that, everybody's just crying and they're weeping. They're like, God, have mercy. We're so sorry. This dude just comes walking out with this chick. He's just like, woo! And he goes into the tent. And he begins an act of sexual immorality. And Phineas is so passionate about purity that he takes a spear and runs into the tent and drives it through both of them. Okay. I'm not going to address the story at all because I think it's insane and I'm not 100% sure what to do with it. But it's in the Bible. But I will tell you this. Tonight I want to talk to you about a passion for purity. The same intensity that Phineas has for running after God and, 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 and this intensity to, to please God and to stay pure and to live a pure lifestyle, that's what I want to focus on, this intensity. Jesus says it this way. He says some of the same things in, in the New Testament. He says this, if your eye causes you to stumble, bore it out, gouge it out. Rip it out. Jesus isn't telling us to rip out our eyes. What he's saying is it's time that we had a passion for purity. So tonight, just for a few minutes, I want to talk to guys and girls separately. But I want you to hear this. I've drawn a line at some things that I'm going to say to guys and some things that I'm going to say to girls. But listen to me closely. Everything that I'm going to say is going to apply to all of you. I'm just going to say a couple things that um, there are some things that guys... Um, that tend to affect guys in a larger majority of the way, and there's some things that affect girls, and I'm just going to draw a line that I don't have to. It just, I, I want to speak to you very specifically and very, um, very intentionally tonight. So tonight I want to talk to you guys for a few minutes. How do you protect purity? When I was, um, <clears throat> when I was young, I remember falling in love with these ideas of um, King Arthur in the knight's court. And this idea of dragons and damsels and castles and how knights would go and they would woo and they would uh, run after their damsel and rescue her. And, and they were chivalrous and they would fight for her and they would joust for her and that whole idea. And uh, I, I like the idea of a, of a young man um, 
fighting for to protect the purity of young ladies. I love this idea. This idea that a, that a young man is going to take under his responsibility, his obligation to say, I'm going to fight for the purity of young ladies. If no one else does it, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to do it. So, so tonight, I just want to, guys, I want to talk to you for a few minutes, a few things, and then ladies, I'm going to talk to you for just a minute. But uh, number one, uh, how do guys protect purity? The first thing is you're going to have to change your entertainment. You're going to have to change the stuff that you listen and the stuff that you watch. What we watch and what we listen to affects us. It changes us. It shapes how we think and how we believe. In fact, several years ago, back when I was a kid, when I was just a little bit older than some of you guys, uh, in fact, I was as old as some of you guys, there was a massive genocide in the nation of Rwanda. Maybe you've, maybe you've watched a movie or read a little bit about it. You guys ever see the movie Hotel Rwanda? Did you all ever see that? So what it was was there was a group of people that were called the Tutsi people. And there was another group of people, and they just began to um, allow racism to creep into their life. And, and they just began to call them names. And it started real simple. They would say, well, you guys, are y'all aren't good enough. Y'all aren't good enough. And then they went a little bit further, and they're like, you, you're less than good enough. And then they went a little bit further. You're not even human. And then they began, there was this word that they began to pass around all over the, all over the nation. They began to call the Suitsi people, they began to call them roaches. And it went all over. They would, they would send out this propaganda, and they would call you, you're just roaches. Roaches. And what do we do with roaches? We kill roaches. And they just began to call, and it became the nickname of the people. So whenever someone would come into a store, they would say, get out of here, you roach. Or they would see somebody walking down the street and say, you don't deserve to be on the street, you roach. Or they would see somebody at a ball game or something. They say, "You don't deserve to be here, you roach." And they began to call them roaches. And eventually, it what it did was is it began to deteriorate the 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 value of dignity and humanity that that person put on the Sutsi people. And then what happened was, is a crazy man, a leader, said, "What do we do with roaches? We kill them." And after after calling. Another group of people, roaches, for so long, it had, called, it had desensitized them to seeing the humanity of who they were. And what happened was is they started killing them. They would walk into the house of their neighbor, who they, who they're only years before, who they would have called their friends, and now all of a sudden they're killing them. And there was this mass genocide where tens of thousands of people were murdered, not by this terrorist group that came in, but by people that lived in the country. And what started it, was, was words. Words began to shape how someone felt, and then how someone felt began to shape how they behaved. The same thing happened, you guys have read about Nazi Germany, where Hitler did the exact same thing. He began very, very slowly and very intentionally calling Jewish people, people of other colors, people that weren't pure white, people that were mentally handicapped. He would call them names. And he started very slowly. He would just say, well, you're not, th there's a higher race, and you guys are a lesser race. So just kind of started with just, you guys aren't really the highest race. You're the lesser race. And then he just began to work his way down until finally he began to call them, he began to call Jewish people and mentally handicapped people and those of minority races. He began to call them animals. And then when it was time for them to arrest them, the nation just went along with it. And I've always wondered, I was like, what? What in the world could have happened unless all of these people were just demon-possessed? Like, how, how could you look at another human being and say, you don't deserve to live because of who you are, because of the color of your skin, or because of where you were born, or because of something that's wrong with you? And what it was was it started with words. 
words change how we feel about people and feelings about people change how we behave toward them and, and our behavior begins to change. Guys, how do you protect purity? You change the way that you think about females. And we'll get to that in a minute. You change your entertainment. I don't want to pick on one type of music because all of the types of music um, talk about females in a very derogatory and commodified type way. And all I mean by that is, is they turn females into a commodity. They turn females into a product, a product that we consume. And the minute that you look at, a, at another person as an it instead of a she or as an it instead of a child of God is the minute that you begin to change your words and your feelings and your behavior. You commodify. You turn someone into a commodity. You turn them into a product. And what do we do with products? We consume them. We consume them for our own pleasure. You see a pair of boots that you like, and you, they're a commodity. You go and you buy them, and they're yours, and you walk on them. You see something that you want to eat, and it's a product. You go to the store, and you buy it, and you consume it for your pleasure. And what happens is, is the words that we listen to and the songs that we have, the movies that we watch and the television shows that we watch, commodifies females every day. It turns them into products. It, it, we become numb to it. They're billboards that we go by where we have commodified females. It, it, who knows what the product is we're actually selling? I remember a Hardee's commercial coming on a couple years ago with a girl in a bikini. And I went, what are we selling? Like, are we selling a burger? Are we selling, like, what, what, are we selling buns? Are we selling buns? You know, I was like, what are we, like, what is this we're selling here? But that's what we do. We commodify everything. We turn everything into, you see, no matter what you're selling, you're selling a car, you're selling a Lexus, you're selling Burger King, you're selling everything in between. You're selling cologne. Or, or for females, we're selling perfume. Have you ever noticed that girl, I mean, it's just always this, this, this sensual type. We commodify them. Guys, we just get Matthew McConaughey talking out of his rear end and nobody knows what he's saying. But <laughs> girls, we get perfume, right? And we commodify them. I don't want to pick on one type of music because all of the types of music have their way of doing it. But we know what hip-hop does. Hip-hop degrades females. When are you going to turn off your music? Like at what point, how often can you hear girls called bitches and whores and think that it doesn't change you? How often can you hear that and think that that's okay? At some point it changes the way you feel and then it changes your feelings, change the way you behave. And then you turn a girl into a product in which you use for your own pleasure. It's that simple. And we allow it into our, we allow this music into our lives to change what does Jesus, what does God say about females? He gives them value. Look at the life of Jesus. I wish that we understood how revolutionary Jesus was. The fact that he had female friends was so revolutionary. There's a story where Jesus goes and talks to the Samaritan woman. It was so revolutionary, we don't even realize it anymore, how crazy it was, that Jesus would bring value and dignity. The Bible's filled with stories of Jesus' interaction with females and its own purpose because what Christianity does is it brings value to females like the world had never seen before. And if you're going to be a Christian... If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to bring value to females. 
You're going to have to stop treating them like they're products. You're going to have to stop listening to music that changes the way that you feel. Country music's just the same. It just says things differently. Rock music is just the same. Rock music uses innuendo. Hip-hop just goes straight to it and says it. Country music is. Look, it all says the same thing. And you might think that it is innocuous. You might think that it has no, it's not affecting you. And I want you to know, so did the people of Nazi Germany when they heard Jewish people called animals after over and over and over and over again until finally Hitler said, all right, I'm taking them to kill them all. And they went, well, I mean, they're animals. So you're going to have to change your entertainment. You're going to have to change it. You're going to have to turn the radio off. You're going to have to start listening to something. I'll just be, let me give you something practical. The majority of the music I listen to is worship music. You know why? Because worship music is about the dignity and value of humanity from God, and it's about how we honor God, and it's about how God honors us. So I'm just going to listen to worship music most of the time. It's going to be most of the stuff that I listen to. I want to listen to things that value and dignify people. The second thing that you're going to have to do, here we go, we're going to go even further with this. The second thing that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to stop looking at erotic imagery. I say erotic imagery because I don't want to just say porn. We all get it, porn's bad. But there, there's this crap on Netflix and Amazon instant video and this stuff that we pretend like doesn't, that it's not, it's not the same, that that's okay. And what I want to tell you is that it is changing the way that you feel about a person and it is commodifying another human. It's turning them into a product that you use. And as long as you're going to commodify another person, you're never going to give them the value of which Jesus gives them. You got to change. You got to stop. You got to stop looking at the crap. I want to give you some stats, but I, 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 but I, I want to be gentle and intense at the same time. I want to be gentle with you because I get it. Culture, is, culture has put anonymity, which means it's anonymous, availability and affordability in the palm of your hand. And, you can, and it's called a cell phone and you can look at anything that you want to and it is destroying you. I had a, had a uh, young man come into my room, come into my office several years ago. He was 18 years old. And he said, Pastor Jimmy, I have a problem. I said, what's going on? I already knew where we were going because this is the conversations I have. What's going on? He said, I have a problem with pornography. And I said, yeah, how long has it been? He said, I started looking at pornography when I was eight years old, and I cannot remember a day of my life that I didn't look at it. And he was 18, 10 years. 10 years. Now, here are the facts. The facts are that 90% of men your age to about 35 intentionally look at pornography at least once a week on purpose and 54% of females we have a problem and somebody's got to say this isn't okay it's not right it's not okay it's not okay to devalue humanity in such a way that I don't see them the way that God sees them Every time that you look at this stuff, it's like going to school. You're learning lessons. And the lessons are, lesson number one, one body isn't enough. Lesson number two, a real body isn't enough. And lesson number three, your future wife's body won't be enough. 
That's what you're training yourself. One body's not enough. A real body's not enough. And my future wife's body isn't going to be enough. You can't look at this stuff forever and think that it's not going to affect the way that you see beauty and humanity and value and dignity. Thirdly, guys, is you got to start fighting for female purity. When I was... Um, Several years ago, <clears throat> uh, there was this, when I say several years ago, it was about 13 years ago. You know, it all runs together for me. But I was a youth pastor, and uh, there was a scandal that went through Kingwood School. Surpri surprise. But there was this rumor that went around about this guy and this girl that had hooked up in, uh, in a car at a certain place. It was kind of like this whole, you know how any rumor, and it just gets going, and pow, it just... It just raced through the school. So one Friday night, I was at the ball game, <clears throat> and it just a few days had passed. And the little girl came walking down to the ball game, and all of these eyes turned toward her, just turned toward her. And I said, in my heart, I've got to give grace. I have to give grace. Um, she got kicked out of school, by the way. I forgot to say that, but she got kicked out of school. So, so she comes down to the ball game, and I went running up to her. And she was so tail between the legs. She was cowering. She was so nervous. And I said, hey, hey, how are you? I've missed you. I want, I, I'm so glad that you're here. And I gave her the biggest hug. And she kind of... She kind of, there was a part of her that I could just feel both in her person, but also in her spirit, like a countenance. Do y'all know the word countenance? It's kind of like the, have you ever seen, have you ever heard um, someone say that a lady, when she's pregnant, she's glowing? Have y'all ever heard that? That's the countenance. It's kind of like this glow of so, so she, like she, 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 I felt her countenance change a little bit. She was staring down and she looked up just a little bit. And I gave her a huge hug, and I said, I'm so glad you're here. I've missed you. I hate that you're not here. Um, I, I, and, and as I was saying it, as I was hugging her, there was a dude on the fence, a, just, a, just a big old redneck guy, just a goober, huckleberry, and he, and he goes, hey, been in any back seats lately? Just like that. In that moment where it was like this, where she just thought, maybe, maybe I can get through this. Maybe I can, maybe th there is some value still to me. All of a sudden went right back here. And she walked off. And I, as she was walking off, I made sure she heard me. And I said to that guy, something to the effect of, I don't remember, but it was something to the effect of, what's wrong with you, man? Stop being a jerk. And she walked off, and I went over to him, and I looked at him, and I said, you're the reason that girls become whores. I, I, look, I, I wouldn't say this to somebody now. I was a little more bold back then. I said, you're the reason. A girl makes a mistake, and you remind them every single day that they made it, and eventually a girl hears it long enough, and she just becomes what you call her. And, and, then, and then I felt like a jerk, and I said, hey, man. I probably shouldn't have said that, but, but I, I do want you to know it's up to me and you to fight for, for females. 
to fight for them that they feel value and dignity even when they make mistakes. Because we don't do that to guys. We don't do any of that crap to guys. I said, we've got to do this. And he said, man, you're right. I'm not going to do that again. So I beat him up, and then I, and then I tried to build him back up. I would, do, I would do it completely different. That was the wrong direction. That was the wrong way to go. But I want to tell you this. If you want to ever, if you want to ever see anybody, if you, if you think that Jesus was ever going to be angry, that's when he would be angry. That's the time that he would flip a table. That's the time that he would make a whip. That's the moment that he would, that's, that's the time that he would do it. That's the time that, now he would have been much more, he would have been much more delicate with that situation that I am, but he would have been straight to the point. And you and I, young men, we've got to start fighting for the purity. You've got to stop hearing other guys talk about girls in derogatory ways and let them do it. You've got to stop doing that. You've got to fight for their purity because I'm telling you, girls have it hard enough. And the, the minute that they feel labeled, the words have begun. And the labels pile on the labels, pile on the labels. And I, I want to tell you something. This is a scientific fact, but it is also a spiritual fact. We are most likely, we are, we are more than likely going to live into the labels that we believe about ourselves. You will live into the label you believe about yourself. You think you're stupid, you're going to become stupid. You think you're an idiot, you're going to become an idiot. You think that you are, look, whatever you think about yourself, you will live into that identity. You'll live into it. And you need people in your life that are constantly telling you, man, I believe in you. I love you. I'm proud of you. I tell my girls every night of their life. I know they hate when I tell you all this. I know that I embarrass them. I tell them every night of their life, you are beautiful. You are my princess. I love you with all of my heart, and I am so proud to be your dad. Every night of their life. Because there are so many of you other people, and I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm just saying there's so many other people on this planet, they're telling them the exact opposite. I've got so much work to do because there's so many people saying, you're dumb, you're an idiot, you're all of the bad words that we call girls. They've come home and told me things like that before, and I refuse to not fight for that, to not fight for them. I'm going to fight for it, and I want you to know this. If you're sitting in this room right now, ladies, I will fight for you. I don't care what rumor that I hear about you. I will fight for you. And there are young men in this room that I am calling on to grab a spear and pierce it through the impurity of the words that you hear about the females that you sit beside right now. You've got to stand up and fight. You are called to be a protector. You're not called to be a conqueror. We don't conquer girls. We protect girls. Do you hear me? We don't, we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't go in and, and have this adventure with a girl. I was sitting at my, I, I'm going to go a little long tonight and y'all are going to deal with it. I was sitting at the lunch table um, my ninth grade year, the very first time I ever heard a conquest story. And it, I still remember it. Hey, ninth grade, 25 years ago for me. And this guy, Danny, was talking about this girl that he had done what he wanted to with her and then broke up with her, and he was telling our table. It's like eight guys he's telling our table, and she was crying, and she was so upset, but I was over her. And that's what he said, and I, none of us said anything. Nobody said anything. I think somebody said, man, she's crazy. I can see, she's, she's, she's crazy. I can't believe, man, you were smart to get away. That's, that's how we talked. 
I just listened and I felt sick to my stomach. And it took me, it took me a little while to figure out why I felt sick to my stomach. Because I heard this conquest story. Guys, we, we, aren't, we aren't conquerors. We don't conquer women. We protect females. That's your job. The most exploitive gender on the planet are males. We exploit, we manipulate, and we, and we conquer. The vast majority, I, look, I'm going to just tell it to you straight. The vast majority of pornography that is on the Internet, which, by the way, is a business that makes more money than the movies, than Netflix, than Hulu, than Amazon, than the movie theaters, all of it combined every year. More money than all of it. And it is all, it is the vast majority is centered for males to enjoy. Somebody's got to stand up and fight the fight and say, no, and pick up the spear and drive it through the enemy. And the enemy's not a person. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities of dark forces, this evil that permeates our, 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 our culture. And it is up to you. Young men, I am calling you. Fight for the purity of females. Thank you, Jared. Girls, how do you protect purity? Hey, by the way, that's for you too. Ladies, that's for you. Protect purity. How do girls protect purity? I, I want to tell you how to, how to protect yourself. I love girls. There was a time in my life all I had was girls in my family. It was Tiff and Addison and Carson, and it was just me and the girls. And I remember saying, oh, my God, if anybody, look, I'm not a fighter. I'm a pacifist. Like, I am against, I don't know if you know what pacifism means, but I am anti-gun, anti-war, anti, look, I'm a pacifist. And I remember thinking, if anybody touches my daughter, I am not going to be a pacifist anymore. <laughs> but I, but I, but I, I remember thinking, that, and I, um, girls, I want to tell you something. Uh, I've only caught one fish in my whole life, and this isn't a metaphor. This is li literal. I caught a fish. <laughs> I only caught one fish in my whole life. I caught a I caught a red fish. It was off the coast of it was off the coast of uh, Fort Morgan and Gulf Shores. Y'all been there before? How many of you been to Fort Morgan and Gulf Shores? I caught a red fish. I had a friend of mine. He was a super country redneck, and I love him. His name was Shane. He said, I told him one day, he said, I was living in South Alabama. He said, do you like to hunt? I said, man, I just, Shane, I don't like to hunt. I, I, I never kill anything, and I don't even know if I would want to kill anything if I did go hunting. He's like, you go, you go with me, you'll kill something. And I was like, I don't want to go. I don't, kill, I don't want to kill. I'm a, I didn't know I was a pacifist at the time, but I didn't like guns. So, like, that's a bad sign. Um, he said, you like to fish? I said, no, I hate to fish. He goes, how can you hate to fish? And I go, I never catch it because that's a problem. That's what I do. All I do is fish. I never catch anything. I've never caught a fish in my whole life. He said, how old are you? I was like, 25. He goes, 25? You never caught a fish in 25 years? You come with me, and we're going to catch a fish. I said, fine. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm an omen. You're not going to catch anything. So we go down to, we drive one night, uh, late one night, get down to Fort Morgan, like 10 o'clock at night. And he says to me, all right, you ready to fish? And I was like, yes, but I'm not good at it. He says, first thing we got to do is we got to catch mullet. So mullet. 
mullet is a, like a catfish of the ocean. It's just a bottom feeder. It feeds on plankton and stuff and SpongeBob. So, so, um, so uh, I said, why do we have to do that? He says, we got to catch our lures. Oh, okay. So he just starts throwing in. He got some shrimp. And he threw, he put the shrimp on the hook, threw it in, and mullet were just hitting it like this. And so he was catching mullet, and he would pull them in, and he would chop off their head. Then he would take the hook, put it through their eyeballs, in one eyeball, eyeball out the other. And that's what we were fishing for redfish with. Apparently, redfish like mullet heads. <laughs> Ladies, listen to me. Listen to me closely. You're going to get what you fish with. What you fish with is what you're going to get. You want to get a redfish? Fish with a mullet head. You want to get a mullet? Fish with a shrimp. You want to get a guy who, who, who can't stop looking at every other girl that walks by? Keep sending him those photos on Snapchat. Keep sending them to him. He will never have eyes for you because you are feeding him. You're feeding him the exact thing that you don't want him to be. You want him to have eyes for you and to never take his eyes off of you and to love you for who you are and to only care about, like, your mind? Then stop letting him, stop laying all over him in provocative ways. He doesn't care anything about your mind in that moment. Get off of him. Get your hand where it's supposed to go. Stop sitting all over him in his lap. Do I have to be more graphic? If you sit in a guy's lap, there is a reason. 100% of the time. A guy will only think one thing when you sit. Guys are so simple, girls. It's so simple. You sit on his lap, and he will think one thing and one thing only. And so that we're clear, it's not about how much he adores you and wants to take you to dinner. He's not thinking about that at all. So if that's what you want, if you want a guy who loves you for your sweet personality and you are, God bless you, you are so sweet. I love your personalities. Can I tell you, there is nothing more exciting to me than a young lady or a young man who just is confident with who they are. They're confident with their own stupidity. And you are all stupid. <laughs> you are. You're, look, if you'll get it through your head, if you'll get it through your head that we all have that we all have a that we all have our own stupid, fall in love with your stupid and be okay with it. I fell in love with my stupid and I'm okay with it. I don't care that I love Kelly Clarkson. It is what it is. I love her. I can't help it. I just love her music. I will sing with you at the top of my lungs since you've been gone with all of you girls. I love her and I'm going to keep loving her and I don't care. It is my stupid. I embrace it. I embrace it that I cry at every stupid movie that I watch. Every, I cry at trailers, at previews. I cry at previews. There's a movie that came out just the other day. I was sitting in the theater in, in this movie. It's called The, the Upside. It had, uh, it had um, Kevin Hart and, uh, and um, the guy from Breaking Bad. Yeah, and Nicole Kidman. And the trailer comes on. I wasn't even watching the movie, and the trailer comes on, and I'm like, oh, my God, Kevin. And I'm just, I've embraced it. I've embraced my stupid. 
I don't care. I'm just, I'm weird. There's nothing better than a confident young lady who just says, I'm going to be me. You want to you wanna catch the right guy, be yourself, and that's who, then you'll catch a guy that likes you for you. But you can continue to pretend like you're something that you're not and send him things that he doesn't need to see and you don't need to share. And guess what you're going to catch? You're going to catch an eroticized jerk. That's who you're going to catch. Keep feeding it. Feed it as much as you want, but do not expect anything less. Stop feeding it. Say no. Mute somebody. Block them. What do you call it when you can't receive something from Snapchat? What do you call that? I don't have one. Block? Oh, that's good. Brilliant. What a great idea. Block them all. I asked a few of my girls the other day. I was sitting in a, one of our groups with just, I think I asked five girls, how many of you ever had a guy ask you for a picture? And they all raised their hand, all of them. Block them. Just block them all. Block them. Is that who you want in your life? You're going to get what you fish with. If you want a guy that talks like a gentleman, then you stop talking trash to yourself. You're going to get what you fish with. At some point, you're going to have to decide the type of man that you want and figure out what lure gets him. Ladies, this is what I want for you. I want you to find someone that loves Jesus as much or more than you do. And I want you to find someone that doesn't care about what people think, but they lift their hands and they worship because they love Jesus. And I want you to find someone that cares more about your purity than you do. And I want you to find someone that cares more about your needs and they care about their own. But I also want you to find someone that is so secure with himself that they don't have to be around you every minute and text you every minute and call you every minute to figure out where you are because they're so insecure with themselves and they're so possessive. What guys often do is they, they, they have this innate, there's this inerrant sense inside of all men to protect and the enemy turns it and twists it just a little bit and turns it in, into possessiveness. That's the enemy's shadow that he turns protection into possessiveness. I want you to fall in love with someone one day when it's time with, a, with a, an amazing man who loves Jesus and loves you and protects you and thinks about you and give and dotes on you. You want somebody to dote on you? Look, I, I, I don't want to like the movies because that's unrealistic, but I do, wanna, I do want you to find somebody that dotes on you. Do you all know what the word dote means? Well, use context clues. It's someone that, that does nice things for you, nice, stupid things for you. I, 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 I was... I was, an, I, was a, I was a terrible dater in high school. I just was a buffoon. I walked into school one time. I'd been dating this girl for eight months. And uh, her name was, it doesn't matter, I don't want to say her name. Her name was Susie. And, um, and Susie's sister came running up to me, and she was so happy and so smiley. And I was, and I was like, hey. And because that was not the way we greeted each other at 8 a.m. in the morning. She's like, oh, are you so excited? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. Why are you so excited? She goes, she said, Susie is so excited about you guys' eighth month anniversary. And I went, that's a thing? Like, that's a legit thing? That's what I thought. And she goes, she's so happy. I was like, me too. And I went, 
And I walked back out, drove down to the, to the, uh, to the uh, gas station and, and bought her eight Mr. Good Bars, which were her favorite candy bar. I put them in a, I put them in a, in a, in a whiskey sack, like a little, like a little uh, brown sack, taped it up and wrote, uh, happy eighth anniversary. Boy, that's much bigger than it is, right? Eighth anniversary, love Jeremy. And I brought it, I stuck it in her locker, first period, you know, when I got back 30 minutes late. And I stuck it in her locker. She came up to me at lunch, and she was, she was beaming from head to toe. She's like, you remembered? And I was like, yeah, yes, I did. I did remember. I didn't tell her I was reminded, but I did remember with a little bit of help. She said this, that was the sweetest thing you have ever done. And that is what doting is. It's just I love that. Oh, and then somebody's like, ooh, got him. Put him on blast. No. That's doting. Doting is doting is just treating them like a princess. Girls, you are princesses. Fish with your princess lures. Fish with your princess lures. I've been a little one-sided, and I and I and I want to I want to be honest. I, I've I've talked to guys and girls. I've talked to you very stereotypically. I want you to understand what I said to guys and what I said to girls goes both ways. It goes both ways, absolutely both ways. But I listen. I believe so deeply in love. I just believe in it. I'm a romantic at heart. I'm a romantic, not necessarily a romantic in the sense of like dating relationships, I'm a romantic in that I just believe the idealist, the idealist way of all things. And so I do believe in love. I do love love. I love it. And I love it for you. And I believe that you can fall madly and deeply in love, but you've got work to do. You've got preparation to have. You've got some things to change. You've got some standards to set. You've got some habits to break. We've got some work to do. Stop being in such a hurry. Some of you are going to be married for 80 and 90 years. Use these years right here as preparation years. Break habits. Set standards. Come on. I want to pray for you tonight. I'm going to ask our, my leaders to come forward. I, I spoke a little long, but you know it is what it is. I'll get back to normal 20-minute sermons when I want to. Tonight, I just want to—I just want to ask you. Some of you, um, some of you felt convicted tonight for a number of reasons. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do the Holy Spirit's work tonight. Let me pray for you, okay? And then I'm going to call you forward in just a second. Jesus, Holy Spirit, conviction is good, and I pray that you convict us, that you let us feel whatever we need to feel, that, that we sense both grace and intensity from you. you. That we feel both gentleness and yet transformation from you. It's your kindness that brings us to repentance. And tonight, let us hear kindness from your voice. Let my voice resound and be remembered with kindness. Tonight, there are young men and young ladies in here that are convicted for a number of things. If we respond to conviction and receive your grace and forgiveness, then it was good for our soul. 
if we feel your conviction and we don't respond and we walk out of here, then it turns into shame. And that is so against who you are. Tonight, Jesus, let us respond to your grace and your forgiveness and yet still your intensity. Tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you felt conviction tonight and it's time for you to come up and pray about some stuff, will you lift your hand? I wanna, we want to pray with you tonight. Anybody in here, it's time for me to pray about some stuff. Jeremy, I need to make some changes. If you'll stand with me tonight. There's a hundred things for you to pray about tonight. Some of the things are what I talked about. Some of them where you got some stuff.